What's up, beautiful people? I'm Nathaniel Pearl. And I'm Sammy Sheva. And welcome to Curious Chimps Podcast, a show where we explore the infinite complexities of the human experience. We do not endorse anything illegal. So please, consult the doctors, do your research, and for the love of all that is holy, be safe. All right, let's talk about drugs. Curious, curious, curious chimps. We got some guests on the podcast. I think it would probably be best if you introduce yourselves and then we can go from there. And yeah, so hi. How are you doing? Excellent. I'm Diane Backler. I'm George Beck. And we are the founders of the POI Institute in Cabo San Lucas. Beautiful. And that's where you serve Ibogaine under like a medical style setting for addiction therapy and all that stuff. Yes, that's where we do Ibogaine treatment for uh, addiction, PTSD, depression, anxiety, and spiritual healing. Wow, nice. The POI stands for Power power of I? The Power of I, which is twofold. That that. is the power of Ibogaine and the power of yourself. Believe it or not, I actually didn't catch that. (laughs) That's really good. I love that, yeah. Power of I was already really nice, but it's uh, it's got a double meaning. That's Absolutely, and it's it, and it's so appropriate for I began and for for any kind of recovery. I'll be honest, I I fell across oh I stumbled across your Facebook page randomly because I was trying to network in the same communities um, in promoting this podcast, and I saw the POI Institute. I'm like, what is this? And then I just see like these. Um, before and after photos and videos of people explaining their experience and i'm like holy shit this is this is incredible this is exactly what i've been envisioning these kind of medicines can do you know and then they do yeah and then seeing that there's an organization that's like pushing it out there and showing the the benefits especially with ibogaine which is very controversial that you'll get into um the results speak for itself you know yeah they do it's kind of a it's like a bit of a unicorn, in my opinion. I feel like there's a lot of talk of, especially lately, the last 10, 20 years, there's so much strength behind like psychedelic or like plant medicines in general. It doesn't necessarily sure. have to be psychedelic, but Ibogaine seems like the silver bullet. It seems like this really strong, even kind of less psychedelic in a sense, if I understand correctly. When people describe their trips, it's a little more Correct. grounded. Yeah, a little more um, about it's all inside. It's all introspective. It's the yeah. only, from what, from, and we're not experts in all the psychedelics, but from what we understand, um, Ibogaine is the only psychedelic that's 100% an introspective trip. So it's like having a front row seat to, to your past. I mean, where in the world could you get a chance to have a front row seat to sort of rewind and wow. get rid of what you you know, want to get rid of, keep what you want to keep, make peace with. It's just really, it's an incredible journey. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of psychological therapy that, that involves a kind of like, uh, almost like getting into hypnosis and kind of like really revisiting your past and recontextualizing it or understanding it from your presence so that it doesn't like control you or affect you in that sense. And you're kind of behind the glass, like you're safe because it is, it is the past. It is, it informs who you are, but it doesn't have to control who you are. And to understand it, 
better and to understand it that way with that kind of space, then you can really take control instead of having this momentum. And on top of that, I mean, like, we're, that's a huge thing right there. We could talk about that forever. Sure. But then there's also like, it just scrubs your brain clean if you're like addicted to opiates or something like that. Like that's, True. this is a, this is a freaking miracle. Like it I'm, actually, yeah, it actually resets the receptors to a pre-addictive state, which is just incredible. So talk about twofold, the power of I twofold, well, I began twofold in that it not only resets the receptors to the brain, but then it also gives you a life review for you to figure out maybe what caused you to be depressed, to have anxiety, to turn to drugs, to numb. So it's really pretty incredible. Yeah, it's, like, it's like 20 years of therapy in one day, pretty wow. much. And That's what, what they say. What, what blows my mind is from when we spoke last week on the phone, is you said that there's almost no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I'm withdrawal. blanking out. Withdrawal symptoms from after taking right. it. It's like, it is not only a psychological change, but chemically it, you're, there's no need for withdrawal symptoms physically. Maybe you can go into more detail on well, why that. I, I took... I, I was addicted to pain pills for, you know, 14 years, um, taking almost 200 milligrams a day. Uh, and then I got on Suboxone, which is the state. United, yeah. United States answer to addiction, which is so, just replacing one with another. Yeah, and that, that's only approved for 14 days, but then they keep it on you, keep you on it for years, you know, because they make money off of it. Um, but what it also does, it also tears your body down. Um, everybody's different. Some people will lose their teeth. Some people, the bones, your bones get brittle. Um, I had a lot of, uh, stomach and intestine issues from it over time. So I had to figure out how to get off of it. And it's almost impossible to get off. And I would bounce back from Suboxone to pain pills any chance I got, cause I didn't want to take the Suboxone. And, you know, Diane researched Ibogaine, um, for a while, almost a year. And then we went to uh, Mexico to do it. And I was the biggest skeptic, because I'm like, there's no fucking way this is gonna make me stop taking these pills. It's impossible, you know, because mm. it's such a, that's the first thing you think about when you wake up, is taking your medicine. Nothing yeah. else matters. It's just, that's all that you think about. And then you gotta think about if I, don't have them tomorrow. What am I? What am I going to do? You know, so it's just it, it controls your life, and that's what they want. The, that's what they wanted to do. So going forward, we go down to Mexico. Um, should I go into like the whole? Let me. Can I, okay, listen. So <laughs> if I interrupt, yeah, let me sure, explain. Yeah, it's not really called interruption. I call it enhancing. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> okay. You guys are the team. <laughs> Yeah, you get, you get. We we'll just let people know you guys are getting married, right? So that's yeah, a, it's yeah. normal. We, they're like, oh, okay. This the is wife an interruption. The this is enhancing. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Um, okay. but um, <laughs> when I first shared this with him, he looked at me like I had two heads. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I'm I'm gonna take this, and and I've been struggling now for what 15, 16 years, and I'm gonna take this and wake up and have no issues. Uh huh. Whatever. But I think there was a part of George, um, here's the intention part of Ibogaine. You got to want it. He wanted to be off. Yeah. He just, the fear of that post-acute withdrawal and watching him struggle. And then, with all due respect, you get put on Suboxone, which the FDA 
FDA approved for 14 days detox years ago, and people are now stuck on that for 14 years. And so in his effort to get off, he went on Suboxone. But Suboxone's a long-acting opiate, as is methadone and Subutex and now Vivitrol, the shot. And so they were replacing short-acting with long-acting, and then these people can't get off. So he was in worse shape on the Suboxone than he was on the short-acting pills that he originally got addicted to from an injury years earlier. Wow. So I'll let George continue. Oh, I'm back. Yeah. You're back. So you can, uh, you so can walk we, us through the whole process. We, uh, we get to Mexico, and, you know, it's an hour and a half drive to this place. We get there. It's pitch black. We knock on the door. Somebody opens the door and then looks at us and slams it closed and walks away. And I'm looking at her like, we just got screwed. We wired $10,000 to this person. We don't know where the hell we are. And so we bang on the door. The lady comes back, opens it up, and then still walks away and just leaves the door open. Okay. And then we see people sitting further in the house. And the one guy says, yeah, you're in the right place. And we walk in. <laughs> and just a bunch of people sitting around, chain-smoking cigarettes and talking and, you know. So then but the they guy... they did brag. They did brag about that I became work. Because yeah. otherwise he yeah. would have been yeah. on a plane home. Okay. Yeah. He would have been done. Okay. And uh, this one guy that I talked to was three days from after getting treated, and he was taking 1,200 milligrams a day of oxycodone. Okay. And I, it was unbelievable. No, not, wait a minute. What was he taking? No, his, he was spending $1,200 a day. Okay, I was like, I'm not a doctor, but that that would kill a guy. Yeah, yeah. it was twelve. It was twelve hundred. It was a couple. It was a couple hundred milligrams he was taking. They way more than I ever thought of taking. But but he was spending over a thousand a day. Wow. Yeah, twelve hundred a day habit. Wow. You know, it's crazy. So. Jeez. Um, but he, I'm looking at him sitting there like, there's no way, you know, there's no way this guy's telling me the truth, you know, because he looks so normal. Hmm. So. We um. We met the guy finally that, you know, owned the place. And then what did we do, Diane? We came back the next day oh, or something. Well, George, George walked out of there and said, I'm not oh, staying yeah. here. Your yeah, place was nasty. What do you mean you're not staying here? Did you see it? These people are running around. I don't care. I'm, I'm not staying here. And I'm not sharing a room with somebody and a single bed guy next to me talking or crying or screaming, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah. George, we just wired $10,000. What do you mean? So long story short, we convinced the gentleman to still treat him, dose him, and we ended up going and getting a hotel hmm. where I spent the next 10 days take watching George like a hawk. But um, hindsight, it was the best thing we ever did because what we learned from that is yeah. that as much as Ibogaine is incredible, there's also something to be said for the setting of where you do it. And Absolutely. doing it in a peaceful, tranquil environment where you have the space to reflect and the time without interference of anybody was huge for him. You know, so I'd leave him alone during the day, check on him, and then come back and then take him out for a little walk, come back 10 days later. Wow. I mean, he, he came back and his clients, he was a personal trainer for 
25 years and, and an MPC judge, never missed a day of work, even on the pills. He had, yeah. he's a functioning I was addict. A, basically a functioning addict, never missed work. It gave me energy. Okay. But he came you know, back and people, people were like, one woman said to him, you, you went on vacation to have a facelift, didn't you? You had a facelift. <laughs> wow. And he's like, wow. And that's when he decided to come clean. He was like, yeah. no. And um, he would call me, you know, weeks and months later and go, he called me from the gym and he's like, Diane, my cheeks hurt so much. I'm like, what are you talking from smiling? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. But go, going back to when they did treat me, still when I was there, I was like, there's no way this shit's going to work. It's impossible. So, you know, you take you take the pills, you lay back, you got an IV and they, you listen to some music, nondescriptive music. And, you know, I basically thought I was there for about an hour and a half, two hours, but it was really like nine hours. So time goes really, it, there's no concept in time. It just goes, you don't feel it. But, you know, when I left, the, the crazy thing was there was no urge to take any medication. Like it was totally gone. Like, and I had, I had 40 pills back at the hotel in case, you know, this crashed, you know, you were prepared. They stayed, they stayed in the safe the whole time and never had an urge to look at them or touch them. And still to this day, there's no craving, no nothing. But so what changed, at least at the conscious level after, during this experience, what clicked if, if there was a click per se, or was it really just the, the whole experience just set you on the right track afterwards? Oh, I had a lot of issues growing up with my parents and stuff and I got to see all that. And the crazy thing, you just kind of, you wonder when you're taking the Ibogaine, you wonder why you let this take up so much room in your head for all these years and you just let it go. It's almost like me telling you a story about, you know, I'm all pissed off about this guy at work. It gets on my fucking nerves. And you're like, George, man, don't worry about him. Just do your job. It's easy for you to tell me that because you're not in it. So it's that's how you feel after I began. It's almost like a third party telling you a story. And you're like, yeah, yeah they, just just don't worry about him because hmm. it's not affecting you. And that's how you feel after this. It totally resets everything. And plus, your immune system gets reset. Wow. And I knock on wood. Honestly, I haven't had a cold in over in almost six years. Almost six years. Wow. Yeah. And I get exposed wow. to people all day long, and you know, being in the gym business and all that. When I was, you know. Yeah. Wow. Back That's so to, back, yeah. Back to that a minute. So he gets <clears throat> done, and we 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 get home, and he's like, "Oh my god." You see how red the stop sign is? Yeah, everything reboots. It's weird. Noise, colors, taste, everything yeah. resets. It's really incredible. Wow. Um, and, you know, six years later, here he is. And what happened is that woman that told us, that told asked George if he had a facelift, after he shared with her his deep, dark secret, she shared her deep, dark secret. And hers was that her stepson had been a heroin addict for years and years. And finally, five years ago, they had to tough love him and they kicked him out. And they came from a beautiful home, beautiful family. They had had enough. The lying, the cheating, the, the, the stealing. 
And he would, they said, you know, she told George he's living in a homeless shelter. He's on the streets of Baltimore City on methadone. And uh, do you think this would help him? And George said, yeah, I really do. You know, long story short, George and I ended up going down to that homeless shelter, taking him for his last methadone treatment and with his his stepmom who took money out of her 401k to do this for him. We flew back down to Mexico and this is a kid that had spent five years homeless. He'd wake up every morning in a homeless shelter, go get his methadone and then walk to the library, get online, look for jobs, couldn't get a job, couldn't do anything and then have to be back at the homeless shelter by four o'clock to secure a bed. So he wasn't on the street. And he had a suicide date of April of 2017. He was going to hang himself at the Sheridan Hotel in Baltimore. And we took him in January. And let's fast forward. I get the chills even now. Let's fast forward to today. So today he's a finance manager at a car dealership doing extremely well. Uh, Has a baby boy and buying his first house. Wow. <laughs> yeah. What do you And this was after he worked with Ibogaine. Yep. 100% Ibogaine. 100%. Yeah. So you guys uh, took him that, You yep. took him from the from his bad situation. You brought him to was it your center at the time or you bought him to it where George went? It's not our center at the time, okay. but we had started taking people like we and that's what ended up happening. We realized that we started sharing it with people and then we started Uh, referring people and some people had really great experiences and some people didn't based on the people that were there at the time, just different things. And one of the people that we, we uh, ended up sending said, you know, you guys are just so passionate about this. Have you thought about doing it? And there's nothing on the West coast of Mexico and there's so many people in need. And what we realized is it also had to be done differently. It had to be done in a very small, intimate setting, giving people their privacy. So our facilities, we only take two to four people at a time. That's the most. We have an RN that lives on the property with us. We live on the property. So we are here 24 seven with the patients. They each have their own private room, their own private bathroom and time to be just to be. And so you got, you got to have your own space. That's a big thing going through this because there's the first couple days you're basically resting because your body feels like you, it was unplugged and it's plugged back in and now it's all starting to light up again and there's so you some, need, days. Need some days to process things you know so to have somebody else in a room with you you know like this one guy was telling this other guy the earth was flat you know, kept arguing with him about it. You know, you don't want that. Kind of shit you don't want that around you, know? you when you're uh, when you're that, that vulnerable. We needed, we're going to do this. And we spent two years researching. If we were going to do this, everyone had to have their own space and everyone needed the tension because he was going crazy being in a room with this kid telling him that the, that the earth was flat, the world was flat. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> Uh, and I can imagine you guys did like the philosophy behind what you're talking about is genius. And, but so, so obvious is that the setting is so important when you're dealing with, with powerful medicines like this. And that can differentiate between a very meaningful and life-changing experience to an actual very negative and destroying experience is really just your intention and your setting. And that's so many people overlook that. And that's what breaks my heart is because 
a lot of these medicines, whether it's ibogaine, ayahuasca, or mushrooms, whatever, the setting needs to be honored just as much as the medicine. Hundred percent. Yeah. And and it's the and it it is it's your intention, it's your mindset that it's something you want for the addiction purposes of ibogaine. It really should. It really can't be done as an intervention. The person really has to want it. Hmm. Will they get some benefit? Maybe. But to really be able to let go, yeah. there has to be yeah. an intention for them, and and they have to respect the, the the process and the space that they're in that they want to do this. It's hugely important, and to listen to the message that I began gives because there's a message, wow. a message for everybody. Is it different for everybody, or is it really just like a like a kind of jet fuel to the direction that you want, which is why you need to to want to change. Uh, so here's my philosophy on, and, and this is not, I didn't, this is not my quote. I began does not necessarily give you what you want, but it gives you what you need. Yeah. And that, that resonates. Yeah. Big time. I got to say yeah, that. everybody's different. It's just going to do what it's going to do. It's kind of magical. You know, it's, you can't explain it. About 75% of people have visions um, and then some don't, or some don't remember that they've had them, the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, and some hear, some have audio, some don't have audio. Um, you know, it is an awake-like, dream-like state. So when you're under, if you close your eyes, you're in. You open your eyes, you're out. Mm. So, which is pretty neat. So like if you're in the movie theater and you have to leave to go to the bathroom, it stops. You go back in, it's still, you plane. That's, that's sort <laughs> yeah. of like. That's sort of what That's kind of comforting to hear. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So there are people that say, oh, my, I'm really scared. I don't want to. First of all, anything that you see or experience, it's the past. You already did. You already experienced the worst. So it's sort of nice that it's sort of that you realize that really if you can just let go and let it show you, you can make the decisions what's important to you to keep and hold on to, what to make peace with, what to let go of what to possibly go home and work on afterwards, you know, with someone, things that might've come up that you didn't realize bother you that were, you know, our brains have a way of protecting us and locking things away in your subconscious. And you don't realize until something like this, that, oh my gosh, yeah. George is a perfect example of that. Is this giving you like this objective point of view of your entire life up until that moment? And you can just, like the way George described it, is like someone telling you a story, but there's no attachment to the story. And that's why these people are, and you also, George, were able to work through whatever was going on. Yeah. Because you yeah, weren't it attached just, to it. It just goes away. You remember, see, the thing is, you're always in control while doing this. If you wake up or just open your eyes, you're not like with other kind of things you might take. You might not know what's going on. You always know what's going on with Ibogaine. It's not going to put you in a state where... If somebody's moving your arms around, you're not going to know, you know, okay. or touching you. You're, you're totally aware of that. You're there, okay. you know. Um, but you're separated from the ego. You're, you're, yeah. like, an obs- you're like an observer. That's so it. you get to see the past from the present, but you get to watch. Wow. Yeah. I got to ask, like, in terms of just, just to kind of compare in terms of other plant medicines, is this gentle is that like a, is, is this, no, okay, I know, it's not. I forgot well, you can see my face. <laughs> like, what do you, what do you, what's your definition of gentle? 
Like, well, that's a good question. Okay, let's say let's say something like uh, like salvia will will or, or 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 if you smoke something like DMT, you're going through a washing machine, and it's very it's like you're almost being traumatized. But it's 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 you could pull something out of it, and then something like ayahuasca is more gentle. And it has that kind of close your eyes and get into it, but open your eyes and kind of be back in the room. So, and it's more grounded. It's more about you. It's more about your past, more about what you need to hear and less about everything. So then I'm wondering with Iboga or like with Ibogaine, is it, you have that choice. You can open your eyes, like you said, literally. But then when you close your eyes, like you're, you're like, you're getting a download. Like, is it, is it like emotionally exhausting? Is it physically like intense? Is it like... I think it's I think it's all the above, but it's nothing negative. It's what you need, and you're basically the next couple of days you're tired because it really takes you to the point. I mean, uh, if you want to, you know, compare all these ibogaines like on the top of all of them because it's, you know, they call ibogaine the grandfather. They call ayahuasca the grandmother. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we've never bullshit. done ayahuasca. <laughs> we've done DMT, but we've never done ayahuasca. Um, so I, I can't say for myself. Okay. Um, but from what I understand about ayahuasca is it's inward and you can go inward and outward. Yeah. Whereas with ibogaine, it's it's really inward. You're not going to have any kind of an outside. Okay. Uh, trip. That's intense. That sounds really intense. Is there is there like um. How do I explain this? Is there like control in the trip? Uh, I've, I've heard a lot of trips recently, like kind of getting ready for this this uh, conversation. And, and a lot of people describe like, like a, an ability to kind of like talk to themselves or something is taught, something that is them, but like a clearer version of them is just informing them and they can just ask questions. They can really get into whatever they want to get into. They're not being taken anywhere. It's just like everything is laid out and you can kind of just go like, oh, that's happened. Oh, that's a thing. That's a thing. And this kind of objective, like, you know, observer that you're getting kicked into is it's it's like you're flipping through a, a movie on pause and you can just pick a frame. And yes. That can be overwhelming because it's your life, but it, it can be kind of soft because you can really go, OK, what about this? OK, what about this? Like you're in control if you could say, I don't well, know. So some people see a younger version of their self and have a conversation with them and go to points in their lives and they figure it out and let things go. Wow. We've had several people that were sexually abused that came for PTSD and that literally their young self hugged their older self and told them it was fine you know let go it's really incredible um we had a navy seal for ptsd who said his was like a kaleidoscope he could go to different places in his journey um you know every every single experience is different for everyone um we i'll share one more uh quick story about someone we had recently several months ago um he was a uh, marine corps vet done he did Two deployments in Afghanistan, one in Iraq. Came here, uh, suicidal, um, binging on alcohol, suffered for the last 10 years from PTSD. Um, came here reluctantly, you know, was looking for answers, but didn't, you know, 
his wife and <clears throat> another uh, another Navy SEAL had referred him. And so he gets here and, you know, we sat with him, we talked to him, we said, you know, you just have to let go. Just let go and let this happen. You're safe. He, you know, he suffers from anxiety. So we're like, uh, you know, I promise, you know, you'll be okay. He has his trip. He, the next day, go, he's sitting in the hot tub. I go over and I talk to him and I said, you know, are you all right? And we let people, if they want to talk, they talk. If they don't want to talk, they can do their, and he starts, bah, 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 bah. like, so I'm dressed. And the hot, to get to the hot tub, you got to go in the pool. So I just sit right down, close, because he wants to talk. So I'm going to listen. Hmm. And he said, this was absolutely the most profound experience I've ever had. And I said, you want to share? And he says, yeah. He said, first of all, it started out, I'm on this train, Diane. I don't get it. I'm on this train, and it's going sort of slow. And then I remember you saying, just let go. And as it, that happened, stuff started falling off the back of the train, and it starts going faster and faster. And then I get off the train, and there's my buddy. Now, five days after he got Iraq had been killed up behind his gun, and and he was, you know, he suffered from uh, survivor's guilt, and so he starts running with his buddy, and um, when they get to the finish line, wherever it was, and he said, you know, come on, I'm so glad to be with you, and and the guy tells him, you're good, you're okay, not your fault, I'm good, you go on, I'm always with you, incredible. Yeah. He gets, crosses his finish line or whatever, and there's like a line of people waiting to shake his hand. And as he shakes her hand, he realizes that every one of those people is someone he killed in Iraq or, or Afghanistan. And the, and, and the last two people in this line were two young kids who had been shot like an ambush or something. And he always felt guilty because they didn't have weapons on them. And... That didn't mean that they weren't in that building shooting, but they weren't found with weapons. And these two kids, brothers, shook his hand and they said they were sorry to him. And he shook their hand and and he said, I made peace with everyone and everything I had to during my journey. And knock on wood, he, he's doing incredible. He is another one that looks like he had a facelift. He's only in his 30s. Yeah. He yeah. left with all the anxiety out of his face, crow's feet gone. I mm -hmm. mean, 10 days and it's just unbelievable. So wow. everyone's journey is different. Some people see, some people don't, but if you allow it, if you can just let go and allow it to happen, who knows the gift that you'll get out of it. And that's a, that's a, that's a big pill to swallow. That's intense. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was really, he said it was the most profound experience of his life. So. It seems to me that pain, I'm trying to understand the mechanism of pain even in my life and people <clears throat> around me, and it, it slips its way into the unconscious and it protects itself with all these habits and all these stressors and, and things that you do to yourself, whether it's drinking, binging on food, taking bigger um, pharmaceutical addictive substances or whatever. And it's all because of the pain is hiding under those under those walls that it puts up. And from what you're explaining, and 
and from what I'm hearing, it sounds exactly like that as Ibogain opens those walls and exposes that pain and allows you to really look at it and really work through it. And then that's the liberation. It's actually so much easier than you thought. You just have to let go and look at it. Well, and when you experience something the second time by being the spectator, you, you realize that maybe your interpretation, either as a child or whenever, that maybe it's not as bad as it was, or maybe it's time to let go of it. Yeah. Um, it, it can it can be all different that how, how long are you going to allow this to take up space in your brain where you could free up for so many more positive? You know, I use the example of the rear view mirror versus the, the um, what's it called? Windshield. Thank you. Yeah. See, aren't we good together? It's beautiful. Um, so, you know, think about how big the windshield is and think about how big the rear view mirror is. Yeah. That's how much folk on the, on the past. That's your past. This is your future. So, yeah, you have to remember there's certain things that it's important, but the big picture's ahead of you. And, and what you do, and what you can do with it. I love that analogy because in just my mind is if you're focusing on the little mirror, you're not even seeing what's in front of you. you Correct. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. And the other thing about the pain, it's um, it's here's another really great analogy. It's also about habits. People form habits based on their experience to protect themselves or to nurture themselves for whatever it is, whether they use eating to nurture themselves to feel good, whether they use drugs, whether they seclude themselves to protect themselves from people, whatever it happens to be. And so I, you, you might have heard of this because this is not just Ibogaine psychedelics, but it really is, is uh, it really describes Ibogaine. Have you heard of the, the snow-covered hill analogy with the sled going down. So if you mm -hmm. can think of um, if you can think of your mind as the snow-covered hill, and then you think of your habits as the sled, and every time you go down that snow-covered hill in that sled, you you put the um, the grids in the you know you're carving a in, path in the snow, and you're carving a deep path going down the same, and then if you Think of Ibogaine as a fresh snow that allows you to cover up those tracks. the tracks, better word, tracks, then you get to do a new path. And so that's sort of a, a lot of what it does to the brain by resetting. It's like a fresh snow covering that, that path to allow you to then, because it's really hard if you've ingrained that sled, you know, you're going down, you can't. Get You're out. Well, that's habits. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, there's it's it's kind of it's like this older concept in like yoga and like uh, in Buddhism and meditation. They talk about like carving these paths and, and creating habits. And we 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 know about this um, <clears throat> this kind. There's this analogy where it's like you if you take a if you're at the beach and you take a stick and you draw a line in the water, it'll go away instantly. But then if you keep carving that path in the sand, then it'll take a few days maybe. Or a few hours to go away but then if you keep going and carve it into the rock it'll take years for that line to go away so it's huh. like but and what's interesting is that in the context of like yoga or, or meditation it's like something you have control over and you can take years like you were saying george like 20 years of therapy yeah. you, can, you can take that time and take the work and undo the, those paths but it takes so much time because so much time was put into it 
And instead of taking this kind of egoic, like, I mean, you, you have to slowly break the ego down and, and take control over, over time. And it's kind of like blood in, blood out. You know, the time you put in is the time you need to put in to, to undo it. Right. Whereas, whereas here, it's just like, it's like, this is, this is a brain chemistry thing almost. Yeah. And we just, just kind of, like you said before, like unplug and plug back in and it can be jarring, but you're, you're left with this kind of uh, dry reality of like, oh, I'm just here. The past doesn't have to define where I've, where I'm going. And, and I love the analogy. Now I'm kind of like overthinking this analogy of the, the rear view mirror, because uh, imagine in making the habit of looking at the past, you start thinking that is your, 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 your narrative, your, your life. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about like, imagine you're looking at the rear view mirror as if it's your windshield, then yeah. you're, when you turn left, you're at, you're going right. If you see a car, you think it's coming towards you and you dodge it. Like you're, you're literally living. Yeah. Like wow. Yeah. It's, it's like a perfect analogy. <laughs> yeah. That, that's really, that's great. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's, uh, it's tragic. I mean, I think everyone can relate to that, whether you're a, a Marine Corps guy, whether you're, whether you, whether you're a parent, whether you're just a, a, a kid, like anyone can, can understand oh that. Oh my feeling. God. Yeah. Sure. Like you're just living based on some, some programs, you know, that, and they, yeah. they really might not serve you anymore because they're really just based on maybe just one or two things that happen to you, like acute instances in your life. And then they that go from right. your entire decision-making process. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a prison. It, I began so, allows you to change your ingrained behavior, whether it's the addiction of taking the pills or whatever, and, and allows, gives you just sort of a fresh start, you know, I, and, I'm curious to, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, sorry. No, I, I just, no, I'd, no. Love to, I'd love to ask you guys, um, something Something I've always expected and realized is kind of bullshit now is like when I take these, these, uh, these I don't know, for lack of a better term, drugs, um, I'm expecting to come out of the other side like a different person. And it never really happens that way. It just kind of shows me a lot of stuff that I, I now can, <clears throat> it, you know, like there's different things in my tool belt. I'm still me in the end. No matter what I do, I cannot escape the meanness of my life. But uh, it sounds like with Iboga that you come out the other side, like maybe with a completely different tool belt. But I, the way you guys describe it and the stories I've been hearing, it's really like you come out the other side, like fresh start, like you're like uh, born again. Like, like how Get a second chance. It's like a second chance. But it doesn't change who you are. But, it cha but, but listen, you might have been changed by your experiences, but who you are as a, you know, like people say, I, you know, is my personality gonna, no. Well, not no, because George all of a sudden got a, per I forgot he had a personality. Well, taking those pills for so many years, <laughs> it just dulls you. You're numb. It puts yeah. blinders on and you only see what's directly in front of you. Anything out the side, you don't give a shit what's going on. Well, okay. You know, and everybody was like, man, what's wrong with you? You're mad? I'm like, no, I'm fine. What the fuck's wrong with you? You know, you don't feel it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And but af after I stopped and did the Ibogaine, I was like, Jesus Christ. You know, it was like, you really feel different. Well, you're stuck in a loop. You know, you're stuck in a loop of ruminating habit, ruminating thoughts <laughs> or habits. And this breaks that. This totally changes that to give you the chance to. And, and, and what we tell people is it gives you, this is where the power of I, the second part comes in. What do you do with it once you, 
because it's one, you can't treat Ibogaine as an experience. You have to somehow incorporate that experience into your life. What did you get out of it, you know, to be able to move forward? Some people need aftercare. Some people, so much comes up, they need to go to therapy afterwards, you know, and, and discuss these, what are these underlying issues came up that they can now work through. Mm. And, and that's a really important, you know, thing for people to understand that it's, yes, you got Ibogaine to help you. That's the tool. Mm-hmm. Then moving forward with it. Integration, you know, right? Treat it as an experience. The integration part of it. Yeah, integrated into your life. That's the, that's sometimes for me, for my experiences with ayahuasca or DMT or whatever, is the integration process for me can sometimes be overwhelming. You know? But that's or underwhelming. Yeah. Like you you don't realize that you need to do this work afterwards and you maybe rely on the medicine too much. Mm. I, yeah. Oh, that's it. That's it. Does I mean we're? I'm not familiar with the Iowa. I mean, does ayahuasca give you information? I mean, I my my cousin once called me and said she does ayahuasca a lot with a shaman, and she said, uh, "Oh my God, I saw Aunt Doris, which is my mother." Okay. She said, "I just wanted to make sure Callie, my daughter, was okay." I'm like, "What?" Well, Aunt Doris said to check on her. Well, I'm like, okay, <laughs> she's okay, and I did. I wish I talked to my mother, you know, but so I don't know. Is that, I mean, does ayahuasca give you? It, it kind of, um, it's very deeply rooted as well, but it, it comes from a more of like, everyone says it, but I have to go with them. It's like a motherly feeling. It's like, there's like a warm hug with you the whole time, but sometimes not. I correct myself. Sometimes she throws you into the fire and comes back at the end to see how you're doing. Yeah, well, the father really gives it to you. <laughs> but for ayahuasca, it's very ancestral, ancestral, and in, not ancestral, ancestral, and um, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely not ancestral. I was like, what did he just say? <laughs> I'm like, that's that's the wrong choice of words. Uh, ancestral and internal. So you do work through a lot of things, and there's plenty of time to uh, to go through because it's a long six hour experience. So there is time for for self thought and work. But then w- when it's gone, it's gone. And then you're back into reality. And sometimes I guess that's the hard part is to incorporate all those things and to, to follow the lessons that you were given. And sometimes you forget, be frankly, like there's so much information given to you. Sure. You know? We yeah. give people journals because things come to them. This can go on for hours, sometimes days for people. The other difference is, and I'm not sure, um, Ibogaine um, is, is give it, Ibogaine as we do it. Now, there's root bark. There's three forms of Ibogaine. So there's the root bark, which is what people might do in a group setting or, or things like that. But Ibogaine TA and Ibogaine HCL, Ibogaine. So Ibogaine comes from a, a, a bush in Africa, um, and it's made up of 12 alkalines. So HCL Ibogaine is made up of one alkaline, and that's the purest. That's like the coconut water to the coconut. And then there's what's called total alkaline, which is made up of four alkalines, and that's TA. And so we happen to use both. Very few facilities use both. Most use HCL. Um, We use both because we have discovered that the combination of both a lot, um, HCL is really great at interrupting the addiction and and resetting for depression, anxiety, physical ailment. They're actually using it to do studies for um, Parkinson's disease yeah. in the U.S. But okay. TA is more of the spiritual component. 
So I'll come, because most people that suffer from anxiety, depression, addiction, whatever, something happened somewhere. So this, the TA, it's a great combination of the two. So 95% of our patients, there's a combination and every patient's different. There's no standard amount. It's based on addiction. It's based on pre-existing conditions. It's based on weight. So everyone gets a different amount. Nobody is the same. It's based okay. on their situation and customized. Um, and okay, here we go with my first senior moment. I forgot why I was telling you. Anybody <laughs> want to plug in and I, tell me what I was saying? up that? a little bit when you were talking. What, but, but what was that? Why was my reason for, oh, because Ibogaine is done individually. Whereas you might do ayahuasca in a group setting. Well, that's it. It's usually, it's like a shaman. ceremonial setting with about eight or 10 of us. So it is, it's, so, uh, forgot to mention, it is kind of more of a collective experience where we're yes, all experiencing it. Very individual. Yeah. This okay. is individual. Okay. Um, you are hooked up to an IV for fluids only. Okay. Uh, Ibogaine's given capsule form. So I don't want people to mistake that it's given in an IV. Okay. And you're hooked up to an ECG machine because it is cardiotaxic. Okay. So you have to monitor someone's heart. There's a, a registered nurse with patient the whole time. And they're in their room in a comfortable atmosphere, headphones listening to nondescript music. You want to have a blank slate. You don't want them to hear anything from the outside. You want them to be able to go internal. Okay. So you want to give them something they can't relate to cover their eyes and just let them go just be with them but some, it's, yeah. it's all individual you know no it's it's never done in a group setting or okay that's the, that's a main difference because ayahuasca yeah. almost feels like you need the group mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's a big difference that i might be able to point out is like ayahuasca we we're talking about how it brings up this kind of ancestral mentality ancestral and you, you really an, <laughs> ancestral and <laughs> ancestral ancestral there's this idea or it's a feeling and again the visuals or the or the conversations you might have it's a lot based on who you are based on where you come from and there's a lot of medicine in that in iboga or in ibogaine or in in ayahuasca and dmt sure but there there is this theme sort of that like you come from the earth you come from from your mother and her mother and her mother and your your father everything is you're you're a part of this ecosystem Whereas, whereas Ibogaine, there's such this introspection that happens that you really want to kind of allow that you want to, you want to fan those flames sort of, and kind of put a blindfold so that this person can really explore this inner space mm. with no interruptions or, or something or no influence. I'd be, I'm really curious. Um, like if you can step by step it, you got, you guys, you've already touched on a lot of it already, but like, what's the protocol? If you will, like, what's the what's the path that someone takes if they if they come to you and and go through this whole experience? Like, what's the the one to ten kind of uh, steps? Me, George. Please, because <laughs> if I if I start, I'm gonna get. She's gonna talk. No, no, I don't know. Interrupt each other. It's cool. I don't know what you're talking about. Feel free. Feel yeah, free to enhance the conversation as I go. You know what? You can also uh, you can also explain because your your first experience that you talked about and how it wasn't like ideal. You can kind of you can you can get into what you would have done differently or what you do differently or what other places do because like I've heard of this one place that's practically like a spa. Like they have psychologists on on site. They have massage therapists and. <laughs> And like you're at a beach and stuff and it's it's like i think someone who really needs this kind of protective area like the like maybe someone who has more ptsd or something like it 
the, the set and setting is so important in, in any of these contexts. I'm, I'm curious, like, so that's what, we, that's what we thought we were getting the beach, the therapist, all of that when we took George. No, beautiful was there. There were some screaming monkeys out back. That was about it. And there was, and there was a, there was a small pool in the backyard. But the 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 people, the the people would wait for, for, for him to get there. I mean, like he wasn't on site. Um, One nurse watching seven people at night. They had, uh, you know, it was just. They were climbing out the windows, going off on their own. It was crazy. Yeah. One guy rented a golf cart and drove around on a golf cart. I mean, really, some, but. But, zoo a little bit. It's but, an yeah. accident waiting to happen sometimes. But listen, we, uh, we, we will always be grateful because George that got his it. life back, yeah. truly, yeah. from the high beginning. But, yeah. um, but in, in, in retrospect, what we realized is how different it needed to be, that we are extremely transparent. Um, the only thing we don't do is we don't give our, our actual address on the website or anything because we have had people that come that really need the privacy of knowing that people will not come here. What, they, they know the address once they come here, but we've had some people from the LA area that have come that um, just require more privacy. And okay. so that's the, only re- that's the only thing that we don't online. But it starts with the phone call or an email Oh, I just heard that. It starts with a phone call or an email and we do an online interview and um, do an entire medical history background, um, history um, on, on health conditions, on any past and current medications, things like that. Um, we really let them know it's really important you're truthful now because when you get to us, you sort of threw money away if you get to us, and it isn't. That's not the case. Okay. Because if we can't so treat like you, if, want- if they tell if they tell you they're taking this, and then when they get to you, then when they come to us, well, I'm taking this, 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 and this. It throws the whole thing off. It could so, be a contraindication. Or if they have a heart condition, or yeah. if they have Hep C, things like that. Because ibogaine is metabolized through the liver. Doesn't mean we can't treat you. Just means we're going to treat you differently. Okay. But you have to let us know. Okay. So that starts with that. Once people come to us, um, the, they get off the plane. George and I personally pick every patient up at the airport ourselves. After that hour and a half taxi ride where we went, we, that we said that was the first thing we realized that that is just not good. Yeah, to have it to go to stresses a, you out. Go yeah, to another country. Yeah. And you're dealing That's with good. people that have. Yeah anxiety, depression, PTSD, or, or they're addicts and you put them, bring them into a foreign country and then tell them, get a cab and get here. Yeah. Not good. So we personally pick them up at the airport. We exchange photographs so they know that we're not going to kidnap them and we know we're not picking up, you know, a rapist or something. Yeah. So, (laughs) so we, we we literally, we literally, he's outside, he's outside. I'm inside the airport. They get through customs. I'm there. Get back here, drop their stuff off, immediately go to the hospital, do full lab workup. Lab workup is done here for lots of reasons, mostly because we want to know it's a moment in time and we want to know the moment in time when you're here. Okay. Because you can tell us you took this, this, and this, and then you could get your blood work from home and then you got on the plane and God knows what you did. Something changed, yeah. Yeah, even if 
you don't have an addiction, but you drink a lot of alcohol, you're nervous, so you drink on the plane, and then we're going to give you Ibogaine, and your liver could be compromised for 24 hours. Wow. So we full lab workup, come back here, nurse does an EKG, wait for the results. Everything's fine. The next day, people undergo their Ibogaine. What is, it's called a flood dose. Okay. So, and that's, and then that's usually around, you know, nine in the morning or whatever, um, empty stomach. They have a nice dinner the night before next morning they wake up and, um, given an IV for fluids, put on an ECG machine, monitor for a little while. And then over a three to four hour period, typically they will get the Ibogaine. First dose is not, um, can, it, it's a test dose, but it's not a test dose. It's big enough to start things, but small enough that if, if God forbid somebody has an allergic, allergic reaction, we can stop it. Okay. And the reason, and, and if you read about Ibogaine, a lot of people, oh, I, you know, you do a small test dose. One of the things we learned a long time ago was that small test dose when it comes to addiction is enough to tell those receptors in the brain, that army, something's coming. So you don't want that. Okay. You want to give them enough that you overpower the army but not so much that you can't. And then over a three to four hour period, they get their Ibogaine and then they're in their dreamlike state, their little Ibogaine journey for anywhere from four to, we've had people 12 hours before we we, we took them, you know, off the IVs and stuff. We just okay. keep them while they're, while, and it's just, you know, glucose or things like that, but it, we want them to get their full, uh, experience without being interrupted and that eliminates fear of their physical body if they're if they're dehydrated or if they, they don't know where they are at least they know i feel like for me personally i would feel like completely at ease to just let go i already do in ayahuasca and all that stuff but there's always little things that, oh i didn't drink water but i know i'll be okay because six hours i'll be fine but knowing that you, you have, have that you have all the bases covered you're just it's just you yeah. it can release you you know nothing to hold on to to fear Right. That's, and they're that's in beautiful. the comfort of most patients are in the comfort of their room. We do have a flood dose room for people that have a little bit more, um, maybe pre-existing conditions that might have like arrhythmias okay. or things like that, where we need a single bed and the nurse needs to have closer control versus king size bed, bigger room. Okay. Um, but, but most of the patients privacy of their room. It's a beautiful room. They have their own bathroom. They'll get up to go to the bathroom. Um, nurse will, you know, unhook them and take them in there. But um, so they feel comfortable because they've unpicked. This is their room for the next five, seven, ten days, whatever. Yeah. And they feel comfortable being able to just sort of let go. That's beautiful. After, after the experience, they spend, you know, like George said, depending on the addiction or PTSD or whatever. Some people, PTSD, depression, anxiety are pretty much fine the next day. You know, they might have a little bit of re residual of lights flick, you know, seeing like. Uh, uh, like fissures going through the air, you know, okay. but that's normal. See how well he enhances? I love it. You guys bounce off each other. Is that is that a blood pressure thing or is that like really like some kind of hallucination thing? It's like, like an hallucination kind of thing. It's, it's weird. It's still the residual effects. But, but, but most people, um, except for addiction. The withdrawal that people experience from Ibogaine that have any addiction is nothing like what they fear. Like when we say there's no withdrawal, there is no typical post-acute withdrawal, which is the reason most addicts don't want to get clean. The fear of that horrible 
experience, which I can't relate to, but he can. Yeah, that totally goes, that doesn't happen with Ibogaine. You, the only, you could say withdrawal would be you're just tired. Okay. Yeah, like that's, got- why, that's why you got a nice room, you can chill out, you know, and we bring you food, you could eat in your room, whatever you want to do. We don't, you know, we're not, we don't take your phone. If you, yeah, you know, this it's is not, not a like a, yeah. Okay. You got we- total access to all your stuff. We have internet, you know, smart TV. Some people want to sit and watch TV. Some people want to go out to the pool in the hot tub. Some people want to walk on the golf course. Some people want to go down to the beach. We golf cart down to the beach. We really do have what is on our website. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, beyond. it's all true. We do it's, have it's, a masseuse it's, that comes to the house too. We, we or take or, them or to we can spot. take you out if you're feeling up to it. We take them nice. first to swim with dolphins. That's the beauty oh, also of well. yeah. Resetting of everything, getting back to nature, getting people to appreciate life. So we'll take them to the beach. We'll either take them to swim with the dolphins, depending on the season. We'll take people whale watching. We'll go for boat rides. We go out to dinner. They'll get a massage either here or at the spa. So once they're feeling better, the idea is they come because they're broken or for whatever it is, detox, and leave like they were at a five-star trip. Like they can really take this experience with them and, and know that life's good. Yeah. It's like it's a bit of a vacation, but really after the Ibogaine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like an earned vacation. Ibogaine is not a vacation. No, I can't. I, it, you guys sound kind of like humble ushers. You know, it's like it's really vision. not that bad. I don't know why Diane. You know, it. it well, there's no pain involved. You know, it's oh, just no. you just got You're just going to see your shit, basically, yeah. and you got to deal with it. There's no other way around it. It's just real, real, real. Yeah, it's like, all real, and you're you're basically going to see it, and you're going to say, "Okay, I understand." What's next? Just you just let it go. Hmm. I guess some people might have it. Yeah, there's nothing out there that can allow that that we know of except Ibogaine. Or or years of therapy, like you said. Yeah, right. That that always doesn't guarantee things. No, it's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a kind of uh, there's a kind of solidity when it comes to a molecule or 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 a certain kind of like medicine, whereas a person. Like the, where you are in your state and like a person, a psychiatrist or something or a psychologist, like it's, it's, there's so many variables, whereas you guys just seem to be kind of getting out of the way for the plant to do the work and taking care of everything else and being kind of a parent to whoever comes to you, even picking them up at the airport, like really yeah. being like, being like, we got you. And then the, the Ibogaine's got us, you know, like we're just, we're, it's yeah. just a, it's I mean, we have dish. like family dinners and stuff, you know, we it's, sit around and talk, you know, it's like, you know, we, we, Diane and I stay in contact with all the patients still. Every, oh. every patient that has ever been here, there's not probably every two weeks, um, there's texting or calling every single patient. Um, we get mother's day, birthday wishes, father's day, you know, that's Daddy George, by the way. Um, but uh, <laughs> we call him Daddy here, and um, you know, and we'll take him to the gym to work out. Even you know, so there it is. It's very much, and a lot of people are in need of that. Are in need of just a little TLC. Yeah. Um, and so that is so. This is a very. I I, I don't know that there's very many. Um, 
uh, ibogaine facilities that are like us. First of all, we're so small and so intimate, and and that it's a family style. You know, it's a retreat, but yet family style. Um, you know, it does give you that resort kind of feel. Well, I'm, I'm, maybe a resort is more like a factory, you know, and even though it might have all the bells and whistles, you feel like you're being processed, whereas you guys have this maybe kind of like a bed and breakfast vibe, if I, yes. if I can exactly. That's yeah, a that's much, it's a much better way to put it. That's the bed and breakfast and Ibogaine. Right. <laughs> and, and, and when I say that Ibogaine isn't, uh, you know, no, it's not. I don't want to scare people, but what I will say is that it is a, um, would I do it again? Yes. But a, a lot of the reasons that we do some of the things we do that we wish we didn't do in life has to do with something from our past. And a lot of us don't even realize it. One of the things I learned about George, George and I have been together since 2002. And then, you know, so all these years go by and he gets done. And what I learned is so much of George's behavior all those years was based on, he was living his life based on his subconscious, based mm. on things, and didn't even know it. And once all of that stuff was gone, he was able to move forward consciously, make decisions. Like he didn't even know why he did some of the things he did. Like it just, and that was based on the trauma. So what I say is it's not a fun journey for most people in the sense that you're going to revisit some things that, that may bother you, but the gift and the beauty is you're able now as this adult and as this spectator to make the decision what you do with that. Mm -hmm. You're not the same person back as when it happened, whether it was childhood or whatever it is. So now you can look at it as the spectator and say, hmm, it wasn't as bad as I remember, or it was, but you know what? It's okay, done. George went home and called his dad and said, uh, I forgive you for everything. Wow. When he said, Diane, I think, I don't know how many years, George, that you hadn't shook your father's hand. Christ, uh, 40. Wow. Yeah. I'm not even 40 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Thanks a lot for that. Uh, sorry. I just, I, that's how I think. This is my point of reference. No, but honestly, it sounds like I get what you guys are saying. I think maybe from your point of view, Diane, it's like you want people to know it's it's safe, but it's work. It's it's a bit of a roller coaster. It's a big mirror, and that's hard for people. But maybe from George's point of view, you're saying it's so much better than the alternative. So it's like, and oh, it's yeah. a gift. And it's a gift. Some people have had amazing. Like even though they saw things, we had a woman who her whole life, she came for just spiritual healing. And hers was like a tapestry where she saw like beautiful tapestries on a clothesline of her childhood home, this and this. She had also, unbeknownst to us, never shared it with us or anyone for that matter, I think other than her husband, that, that she had had an, an abortion in her life and she's religious. And she has lived with the guilt of that for 40, 50 years. Wow. No, probably 40. Before you were born. So um, what happens to her is through this, through this tapestry floating on this clothesline, all of a sudden the tapestry split and a hand with a baby 
comes out and says to her, everything's okay. Let it go. Wow. So we heard about this after her experience <laughs> and said she, we, we didn't even know that there was, that there was that issue. And she said, I want to share this with you because it is so, uh, it, it changed my life being able to know that I could, that was God telling her to let, that was her journey. Yeah. So, you know, so again, it was a wonderful gift for her. Was Did she probably see something she didn't work for? It's one of the reasons we also have people hooked up to East talk back um, to an ECG machine is to watch the heart rate and yeah. see how people, See how people are reacting. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. Uh, I feel it must be intense. that that's such a burden on all of us that we're all operating in some way on our past. I mean, there's moments where we're, we're focusing on, on goals and future, but a lot of our habits are dictated from our past. 100%. And it's amazing to see that once you release that, what comes after is just, it's so profound. And yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people realize they're doing it. That's the that's the that's, that's the, the big thing. Listen to the message. Yeah. Yeah. So, real quick, I want to bring this up because the reason why we're in Cabo. So we're in Cabo because I began illegal in the U.S. It's illegal. Illegal. Okay. Yeah. Illegal. Okay. Not legal. Exactly, um, man. And why? Because it's it's put in a category as a Schedule One. And way back in the seventies, before you were born, um, there was you know Nixon did this you know war on drugs, and a lot of it had to do with the LSD era. And um, and I think just my personal opinion, I think you know the, the Charles Manson murders. I think probably sparked real you know lsd's bad it was yeah. all the negative and so all psychedelics and we're going to be put in this schedule one the most dangerous but that was 1970 this is 2020 yeah and so what makes up a schedule one well here's what makes up a schedule one there's three components one is the propensity to be abused use it for social, whatever. Second is that it has the propensity to, for you to get addicted. And, and back to the abuse a minute, again, nobody's using Ibogaine as a, nobody's using it to get high, I promise. <laughs> I can't imagine. Not happening. And then no. the third is that, the third thing that makes something a Schedule One is that it has no current medical value mm -hmm. not true now let's go to marijuana marijuana is also a schedule one why it does have medical value mm -hmm. okay so they're, they're making progress with marijuana in legalizing in areas but i began shame 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 on the u.s because really it really should be legalized for what it can do. The beauty of what, especially with the opiate epidemic in our country, it is a sin. Yeah. So what's yeah. what's what's our feeling is why do you want to 
Why do you want to promote something that somebody can do once and be cured when you can keep them on long-acting drugs for... That's what it comes down to, the money. Yeah. Can Uh, you even, uh, like, patent or sell something like like Ibogaine? Like, is that even possible? Because it's just like a plant, like... Well, doctor, there's a woman by the name of Dr. Deborah Mash at University of Miami that holds probably all the patents on Ibogaine. She got involved with a guy by the name of Howard Lotsoff, who actually mistakenly came across Ibogaine in 1962. He, uh, he was a heroin addict, and a buddy of his gave him Ibogaine. And he woke up the next day with no desire. It was an accidental discovery that he had no desire to do heroin again. Hmm. So they got together over the years to promote. And uh, she had she it, she had the FDA initially approve it in the 80s. They took it back. Uh, she moved to St. Kitts and opened up a clinic, ended up coming back to the University of Miami. From She went to the state of Maryland two years ago and did a talk because the, the opiate epidemic which is where we're from, is so prevalent. Hmm. And right now, Johns Hopkins is doing a study on Ibogaine for for addiction, which will be finished in December of 2021. But back to what you were asking, um, they are trying to do a synthetic nor-Ibogaine. So Ibogaine, you ingest Ibogaine, it gets through the liver, and it turns into what's called nor-Ibogaine. That's the metabolite it turns into. And what that does is that gives you that really good feeling um, like you're on the best antidepressant ever for the next 30, 60, 90. We've had people six months. And that's that motivation to move forward, make changes, do what you need to do. Um, So what they're trying to do, there's there's actually a company in Canada that is trying to also... um, uh, uh, Make a synthetic do a synthetic nori begin. So what's my what's my feeling on that? Um, well, two things. One, do I think nori begin could be used as an antidepressant? Yes. Why are you doing that? Is that because then people have to go get a thirty day prescription and then mm-hmm. there's big pharma? That's the first thing. And you know, Suboxone, Subutex, uh, Methadone. You know. Suboxone was supposed to be a 14-day, and now it's an $18 billion industry in the United States. Come on. $18 billion. You and, can't make this stuff up, man. Yeah. Right. crazy. Right. But, but the nori began, that, that is something that maybe could be. But here's our issue with that. You take away the trip. You take mm. away the journey. And for so many people, that journey is the healing. That's, That's the healing process. Yeah. Okay, you might want to extend the the, the, the good feeling of nori began, yeah. but the addiction part and the depression and the PTSD. Yeah, you got to do a flood dose to make that happen. Yeah, that journey is. Yeah. Is well, I think you were talking about the the different uh, alkaloids or something like that. I'm, yeah. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to even pretend. Neither are we. Exactly. Yeah. So, the, and then you, you kind of separated the experiences saying one will really help in a certain physical way. And then the other one kind of gives you that spiritual aspect. Yes. A lot of people in the first place feel, uh, hurt, disenfranchised, whatever word you want to use. There's a reason that they feel like disconnected from life and they, they go to something 
or or it, it could just be a, like bad luck. You know, they get they get injured and they get put on some kind of uh, right. opiate. Sure. But but to to continue on it, uh, one way or the other, you're you're in this kind of chemical uh, racetrack now, you know, and and then that that one side can help so much, whereas this other side can recontextualize your life mm. and give you this kind of like this kind of like hug for the soul, and and they're taking that out, and then you're just gonna like you know weed is not that addictive, but it gives you like good feelings, and sure. that can be become a habit. You know, it can be anything can be addictive. Sure. So so I'm I'm personally uh, like I share your let's call it skepticism. Like I have a fear uh, uh, pretty much that this could become like you know disgustingly monetizable. Because it's just a good feeling kind of drug thing. Whereas the plant, it, weed is actually a good example as well. People do these like THC extracts and, and stuff. Mm -hmm. Bigger, and it's stronger. Exaggerated yeah. concentrate yeah. that like fucks with you in a sense. And it's, it's not the point, you know? There's all these things happening at the same time. And in a way, it's kind of the same argument that we're making with set and setting. You know, like you you can't just take the 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 crown jewel out and think it's gonna work the same. You gotta you gotta use the experience. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you're right. hundred percent. And that's what I fear too, is that you see the trend is once they have a new medication, the money machine goes behind it and they find a way to monetize it throughout the years. You know? Yeah. And and, and that's what's sad. I mean, I I I I think that it would be there's people that microdose on ibogaine. We will, we will, we will send people. We will have them let them take some with them for microdosing to keep that nor ibogaine good feeling. There's a lot of people that need it. What it does is it's sort of like that. It gives you the window to make changes. Okay. So if a lot of underlying stuff comes up, you have this window to for the for the addict, get rid of phone numbers, find a. If you want to do 12-step, find yourself a sponsor, do 12-step. If you want a therapist, go to a 28-day program. For people that have depression or anxiety or PTSD, some people just need to go back home and deal with a therapist or a counselor to work through it. It gives you that window where you're motivated, you're feeling good, and you want to make sure you make those changes if they need to be made while that window's open. So I could see where... Some people want to open that window, they microdose, or that is where the nori began could come. But to, nothing can replace. Mm. I might talk, oh, the trip, but it's incredible. Mm. I mean, my mother, I, I go to bed always hoping that I could hear her voice. You know, she died unexpectedly. That was a trauma for me. I saw her in my began journey. She didn't talk to me, but what she did do is she had died unexpectedly in my daughter's bed and she sat up in bed. And then for me, the only way to describe my journey is it was like being at a drive-in movie theater. It was black and there were just lots of visuals and I would find myself squinting to see things. And, and she sat up in bed and turned her head. And then the next thing that happened is the entire screen went black and a beautiful white dove came flying through the screen. And it let me know she was okay. That was my, whether it's what is, that was my interpretation. And I, and, and I got to have that. So to take that away, to take 
the, the military guy's experience, to take the Navy SEALs, to take that woman, to take the girl who, who uh, from Russia who was sexually abused for years and her little young six-year-old self hugged her adult self and told her it was fine. That's not happening with a 30-day prescription of more I begin. Mm. Amen. Yeah. I, I, I really, it's almost, um, you, you want these things to become mainstream in a way, but I feel more as we talk to, to people like you, it's like the mainstream is what's failing us. It's not that Ibogaine has to adapt in some strange way. It's like, like everything needs to be monetized. Everything needs to be pushed into a commercial and into a pill. I mean, for lack of a better term, I know you guys use pills also, but it's like, or capsules or something, but it, right. it's, it's, uh, I, I want to appreciate when things become mainstream and I want people to become aware, but at the same time, that's, that's the pill, you know, that, that the mainstream is the, the thing we're complaining about and it's just not working anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to attack all of society, but there's, nah. it feels criminal. It feels like a bastardization of this thing that I said at the beginning is like a magic silver bullet that is freaking fixing people right. in a in a in a crazy society where we're giving people freaking in heroin and like we're getting like, you know like it's it's it boggles the mind it it bothers it boils the blood you know and 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 then they're like oh yeah we could use this we can utilize this we can extract we can take the soul out of it and just turn it into a a, a cash cow and it's like exactly come on <laughs> Uh, and, and the funny thing is, I mean, for us, uh, I, I was a successful real estate agent. We owned a gym together. I mean, we did not need to do this. This, we realized, became our journey as we started sharing the story. And um, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. We do it on a very small scale. So for us... It is not a cash cow. It is It is truly because we want to pay it mm. forward. There are clinics that have, you know, four bedrooms and eight people. Yeah. We have four bedrooms and four people. What, so for us, we truly believe that this really has to be about caring about people and, 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 and paying it forward and spreading the word that there, there is a solution. There mm. is something that can help people. And we've had incredible success with it. I mean, just long-term incredible success. And to get calls from parents or, or spouses saying, thank you for giving us our child back, or it, it just, there, there's just nothing. The reward is, and you can't, there's no monetary value on that. So I think that... Um, I'm okay with the idea. Maybe they want to do some kind of synthetic norabigain, but God, let this happen. Let the, you know. Let that be. Let that be phase two. Hmm. Let people have the journey. And and I mean, our goal is is that hopefully it does get approved at some point in the U.S. Who, who knows? I mean, you guys in Canada, um, it's approved. There's a few centers here. Yeah, but they've recently had to close any centers that were not doctor-operated, from what I understand. And I'm not very familiar with the Canadian, but uh, we just had a patient from Canada that okay. had um, research doing it in Canada. And, and, and he came during 
this crisis at the beginning came two weeks, quarantined at a at a Airbnb, came here for two weeks, then went back, and then went back to Canada. And yesterday got to go home after quarantining 14 days in Canada, but he could not find a place because it was not. Um, they had to close down the the couple of places that he had heard of that um, because they didn't have a doctor or wasn't medically focused, something to that. So I think they've changed a little bit of the, it is still legal, but I think it, there's some criteria and some guidelines they have to go by, which oh, it should, you should. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, like, I guess yeah. there, there is, a, you guys have a registered nurse, you're saying, and you, you do a lot of background checking, you want to, and we really do. just for the safety of the of the patients. Right. Like, yeah. And if we need to, that we have a doctor that we send lab work. If there's any question, if there's anything up with the lab work or anything, um, we have a beautiful hospital that's less than a half a mile from here. That if God forbid never happened, thank goodness, you know, we have everything here we need. But um, but yeah, it, it's it's extremely important that it's medically focused, and uh, we the patient is never out of our site during the, the flood dose. Uh, the nurse is with them the whole time. If the nurse needs a bathroom break, George and I are sitters, things okay. like that. But other than that, um, and that's I think that's part of the safety for people that they feel the comfort of knowing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We've had, we've had some people come to us and they have gotten treatment before and the people left the room. And they left them in a room for six hours by themselves. Or had somebody next to them while they were dosing. Or yeah. or were given, we, we do, we, we believe in boosters after the, on day three and day seven, depending on how long they're here. Um, and places that are, are placebos or empty capsules with the boosters. Listen, there's a lot of ways you can cut corners with, with a treatment center. Hmm. Does, it does not, it should never be the, the I began. I mean, cut, cut corners with the facility or what you offer, but to cheat somebody, you know, out of their, and so, their yeah, recovery, we, yeah, yeah, we have had a couple of people that, um, that came to us that way. We've also had a couple of people that we said, listen, don't bring that drug into the country because you'll detox, all right, but it'll be three years in a Mexican jail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sure enough, we had two stubborn people, one from Brooklyn, New York, and one from Maryland. And I'll tell you what, the, the Maryland girl, she knows that she holds the award for the worst one we've ever had. She showed up here. She had emptied out an eye makeup case and put her heroin and literally was so scared of post-acute withdrawal that brought heroin into the country. Wow. How she didn't get caught, because when we picked her up at the airport... Oh, God, she was so fucked up. Man. She's <laughs> curb-stepping, walking around like she's on the moon. I'm like, she stuck. She stood out like a... You know, like, everybody's just looking at her. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know? Wow. And, and on June 1st, she'll have eight months clean. Yeah. That's amazing. Is, doing amazing that's beautiful yeah. wow yeah. there's there's um i think a lot of people are even after all this information and all the all the evolution of, of the mentality behind mental illness behind addiction behind all these things that have that hold stigmas people have a hard time understanding that like you're not like chasing a high at this point anymore no, like, you're, it's all you're maintenance. A, yeah maintenance that's a perfect yeah. word it's like 
you don't feel normal. You don't, you, no. you're, you're, you're running away from a low, if you want to put it that way. And then you just yeah. try to get back to like a normal and you need to, you need a external substance to feel normal. That's, that's, uh, a, that's a level of hell. If I ever heard one, it's, sure. it's, it's total hell. Cause uh, every day I was like, am I going to have enough at the end of the week? You know what I mean? It's just, it, it rules your life. Wow. You know, we all, we always said that George wasn't getting high, and this is, and every addict agrees, they're not getting high. They're just getting by. Getting they're by. literally just, and they're not even normal. They don't even feel normal. First of all, Suboxone and Subutex robs individuals of everything. Their personality, they are just flat, completely flat. George will tell you about that. I mean, not, no high, no low, no nothing. No. Terrible. And, and actually, when George got clean on about a day three, um, it's called a gray day, and a lot of people have that. And that's really a lot of just like the stuff coming up. Mm. George, George, out of nowhere, just crying like a baby. And you can look, he don't cry that much. And he, and he goes, and he's like this. Oh, I knew I didn't want to feel like this. The whole... Well, you know what it is? And this is for anyone. You might do that to prevent yourself from feeling the bad, but you're also missing out on feeling the good. Hmm. And today he will tell you that that $18,000 between the treatment and the hotel and flights that he spent, what do you say, George? You'd spend what? I would have spent 50. Wow. To you feel know. the way he feels. Wow. Well, yeah, it's crazy. So I'll tell you another quick story because, you know. Hell yeah. <laughs> I so, love it. So, we got time. How old's your mom, George? 78. Okay. So she was in her early 70s at the time. And I said, I said, you know, Kathleen, I she has no idea about his past. And I'm, I'll leave it. There, there was a lot of stuff that happened to George that he never shared with okay. her. And um, because he didn't want to hurt her. And, uh, so, but she could tell he was different. She had no idea he had an addiction problem. So, you know, way back, five, six years ago, I said, um, you know, Kathleen, I found this amazing therapist in Mexico. I'm going to take George. She said, Mexico? Can't you find a therapist in the United States, Diane? <laughs> and I said, no, I really think this guy can help. All right, whatever. We go. Come back. About two weeks later, she calls me. She said, Diane, were you in that room when that man was, that therapist was talking to George? And I said, no, Kathleen, why? She goes, I think they gave him a lobotomy. I said, what do you mean? I have my old George back. He smiled. He sat with me for an hour. Now, this is someone that had no idea about yeah. I get nothing. She really thought that, what did they do to him? That he is so different. Wow. That she had her old George back, mm, like a one eighty. I gotta yeah. ask George, like, how do you look back on yourself now? What is that? What is that perspective like to see? Like, what's the continuity of who you are now and the like, after the treatment? Like, I, I'm sure you know what I'm getting at. I'm sure people have asked you a million times. Yeah, it's it's like you remember a lot of things, but you um, it, I can't explain it. It's a weird one. 
it's weird. It's like what they're doing now, they're, they're putting these brain things on when people are doing Ibogaine and parts of the brain are talking to each other. That's never spoke before. This is how much this stuff opens up the brain and allows things to happen. So I think if any, it could also somewhat be a smart drug, you know, um, uh, let, let alone rebooting your immune system, hmm. you know, because it resets everything. And I know Diane doesn't like me to preach too much about, you know, it can cure this, it can cure that. But I think theoretically it can, because if your immune system is rebooting, if you have certain ailments, they're going to go away because your immune system's working at a different level now, the mm -hmm. way it, it should before you would take certain drugs. You know, if you take a Z-Pack when you get a cold, your immune system gets dulled because it knows, oh, well, next time he gets a cold, he's going to take that Z-Pack. So I'm not going to have to work as hard. So all that shit gets reset. People don't understand. And you don't need a lot of that stuff, you know. And you, you, your brain functions just seem to work better. You know, I guess I've fucked mine up over the years doing what I was doing, but I was able to get it all back. You know, I got lucky. Wow. You know, and it, it, it lets you go into a different path. You know, the ideas come into your head. You can't explain it. You know, it just happens. You know, it's like some guy thinking up a website or something or some formula just pops in his brain. This is kind of what this stuff does. You know, you just get ideas all of a sudden. Where before you would just sit on the couch and just wait for the next thing to come on TV and not think anything past that, mm. you know? It's it's wait. like a eureka, like the eureka moment. Yeah, yeah. Like like you're taking eureka in a pill, sort of. Like, <laughs> yep. Like these there's, aha moments. There's I'm, definitely aha moments. I'm kind of curious. Like this is getting more out there, which we we love doing. So I, I'm I, I don't know if you guys uh, have ever thought of this, but you're talking about like this. Uh, like separately, you're talking about like this, these mental benefits and these psychological benefits. And then you're talking about this immune system, this like health, physical body benefit. What if there's no difference there? You know, what if in a sense, this brain reboot uh, really messes with your belief system and gives you this kind of tabula rasa, like blank slate. And then a lot of the things that could possibly affect you don't anymore and you are you know healed because of the way you your mind has shifted so strongly or even the fact that like, i mean you know someone who's depressed is immune compromised someone sure. who's uh you know sure. like there's 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 such an interconnectedness to our no, you're 100 percent right yeah absolutely a hundred percent you know what you said also the other thing that happened to george and with him is and um he'll confirm this he doesn't react like he used to. Oh, I, I would get so pissed off one mm. shit and just down like, fuck it, man. If you want to jump in front of me, go ahead. You know, I don't really give a shit. You know, we're all <laughs> going to the same place, you know. He just is way more relaxed and things just roll off him. Yeah. Where he was I never. Would, yeah, I was a wreck, hmm. you know. You must be so much more solid in yourself. Like. I mean, not only to have gone through what you went through and then come back from it, and then also to to take the mantle, sort like to, to be like, okay, I'm going to help other people with yeah. this thing that helped me. Like, what a fucking journey! Like, it, it automatically makes you want to do that. It's weird. It's almost I, like it's it's almost like a truth serum too. 
Like you'll you'll start talking about shit. You'll you'll ask yourself, why the hell am I telling this person that? You know, you don't even know why. He told me things that he really probably wished he hadn't shared. Yeah, I'm like, why the hell am I still talking? You know, can't you can't stop yourself. That that scares me now. Like I I kind of got the bug like just learning about this stuff and now talking to you guys. But like, I, there's some shit I just that, don't want to tell anybody. That goes, that goes away. That's only the first couple. Well, days. it's really okay, good, okay, though, good, good. because <laughs> because I think subconsciously he wanted to get he it released yeah, him of things. Yeah. We're not talking yeah. about sharing like, but stuff that he either felt badly about or guilty about or whatever that he needed to let go of. And maybe you didn't and even so, realize you were holding on to it. That resistance, you know. And then that's why it just flows out. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Listen, listen, with a lot of addicts, they're, you know, what, what does Dr. Phil say? How do you know when an addict's lying, they move their lips? Oof. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. So, so I think that with a lot of the addiction people, we have people in the middle of their dosing will be like, they'll sit up and go, oh my God, what I did, or oh my God, what, you know, or crying or feeling badly. I think that there's that secretive and the lying. Listen, the other thing about addicts is no one can ever take it personally. They will always choose their addiction over anyone or anything. So they've done some shitty stuff to people. And that's, I think, what comes up is that, you know, their moral compass. I don't know, maybe it awakens the moral compass or something, Mm. but... um, Whatever it does, it's all positive because, and it's not to give, like what he shared with me, it didn't make me feel any better hearing about it. I got to be honest with you, but it did help him. And that was, that's the whole idea. Yeah. It sounds like a, it sounds like a flushing out almost, you know, like you, you don't feel guilty about your past. You feel like you, you processed a lot of it. It's so hard to, yeah. Listen, if you learn from your past, you know, there's stumble. We all have stumbling blocks. You know, you turn them into stepping stones. And that's what that's what this was. We had we had a I like that. We had a, a guy and girl from about a year year and a half ago come to us. We don't usually do that, you know, let two people come. A couple. A couple. Okay. And uh so he gets his treatment and the, you know, the truth serums kicked in. So she starts asking questions about, you know, stuff that he's answered no to before. So a lot of the questions were, did you sleep with this one, this one, and this one? And his answers now were yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so she went, you know, ballistic, you know, we had to say, look, you can't do this. He's gonna, you know, so it was kind of- That was the last time we let- Yeah, that was uh, the last time we did that. Company, another- <laughs> Oh man. Bless her heart, though. Like you can't, you can't pass that opportunity up. You know, like who? Oh no, she took total advantage of it. <laughs> She's now inquired about treatment for PTSD. <laughs> but um, oh, but they're sad. but they're great. Yeah, they're in New York and they're they're doing it. He went back and sent us a. He hid. He was a he was a dealer. He didn't share that with us until the day before he got here. You know, he said he struggled, but he didn't bother to tell us that he was dealing heroin and fentanyl. And uh, he came here, 
And, oh, my God, I just I absolutely adore him. I mean, you know, that, that's the other beauty of this. You know, people from all walks of life, there's no judgment from anybody. Yeah. We've treated porn stars, truly, like famous, well. big time. I wouldn't know that they're famous, but somebody else might. <laughs> but they are big, 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 big. And we've treated drug dealers and we've treated people from Hollywood and stunt women and this and that. And from every walk of life, and yet they've become part of our POI family. But this guy got home, he had hid. I had never known there's such things as like blocks of heroin. Like that's how they come in blocks or, and uh, he had hid pills and blocks of heroin and because he didn't think it was gonna work. So he, you know. Well, he, that the poor New York sewage system he got home that night and dumped everything and videoed it down the toilet wow. and sent us the WhatsApp, the video. Obviously, we can't post it. We, nobody, you know. Yeah. But, but wow. And he, he was like in tears, like what the power of I. What, he goes, this is the true power of I. You know, it would have been great if we could have used it because really, <laughs> yeah. you know. But, but really just incredible, you know, like George not thinking it was going to work. We moved down here. It was two, three years after he had been treated. And one of the suitcases, I opened it up. And in one of the pockets was like a stack of Suboxone. And I'm like, George. Yeah. I, and he's like, Diane, I used to hide it everywhere just to make sure I had it in case I needed it. Mm. And, you <laughs> yeah, know, you that's, never, that's how your brain thinks. Because if I went on a trip and... The plane got canceled. I had to stay there extra days. You know, that's how your mind thinks so ahead of what you're doing because of that. You know, it's, it's it sucks. Yeah. You know? It's a big fear game, yeah. Yeah. The withdrawal of those long acting is even worse than the short acting. Hmm. And, you know, so it, it's really, it's bad. And uh, we throw them out because we wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't give my worst, well, I might give my worst enemy Suboxone, but other, you know, um, we, there's nobody that we would give Suboxone, you know, any of those long acting. To. Well, is, so, is that why the long acting is like the solution in, in the States? Because like, a, like the withdrawals are, are like prolonged, so you won't, you won't die or something? Like what's the logic there? I don't understand why they... They're worse. They're actually worse because it sticks to the receptors like tar. But that's how they want it that way, because they know you're coming back. Wow. See, the methadone, so you're going to be there in the morning. Every day. So every day. If you're not there, you're not going to make it through the day. You'll be so sick you you can't see straight. That's when fucked we, up. Oh, I know. When we I took know. that kid that had methadone, we had to schedule the flight after he had his methadone treatment in the morning in Baltimore. Schedule it so that we knew he was going to get dosed the next morning so that he didn't go into withdrawal. And with Suboxone, Subutex, and all the long-acting opiate for the opiates, so methadone is used for heroin, and then Suboxone and Subutex and Vivitrol are used for opiate addiction. Well, the half-life can be days. So what happens is that, that opiate, that's in the system, and then it fights the Ibogaine. So we have to put them on short-acting when they get here, morphine, and get that to try to get that so that the receptors aren't blocked. Okay. Mm. But but it is worse. But why did they do the Subutex and the, and the Suboxone? Well, they did it because then they're not buying street drugs. Now you're buying them from us. George, every day, every month, would have to go to the 
what psychiatrist get a prescription? No, the, the general doctor. He he took like a two week course and it allowed him to prescribe you know Suboxone. And I bet you he gets a cut or something. Well, right? he, something you got to pay him one hundred and fifty to walk in the door for okay, a five minute visit. Yeah, not even. And um, then you go to his friend who owns the pharmacy down the street. <laughs> there you go, and that's and the medical it's system. Three hundred down there, so it was four fifty a month. And that's you know. a that's a cash cow. Keep that long term. Yeah. Well, now yeah. they've done something called Vivitrol, which is a thirty day shot. And we had a patient that went into a twenty eight day program after they left here, and he texted me before they took his phone, and they said, "I went through the," uh, and I had spoke to intake and said, "He needs nothing. He is one hundred percent clean. Nothing. He just needs therapy. He needs some tools for his life tool belt." He calls me, says, well, they want me to sign something that they can give me when I leave this thing called Vivitrol. It'll be an insurance policy so I don't use once I leave. And I said, do not hmm. let them give you that. I said, that is a long-acting opiate. You need nothing. You might as well have thrown the money away here because that your, your brain will remember. And hmm. so the reason that they came up with Vivitrol, in my opinion, is okay, well, people were starting to deal the Suboxone strips and the pills and getting high off of them. Well, now they say, okay, well, here's the deal. Nobody's dealing. We're going to give them a shot that lasts 30 days. They, is, have they to, charge $1,000 to do it. They come, they get this expensive shot. But here's the problem with that. When you're taking Subutex or Suboxone, it's one day, every day you take it. If you choose to go try an opiate, it may or may not work. It'll block it. Hmm. But if you have a 30-day shot in your system and you go and try to do opiates, what's that do? So, you know, in my opinion, that was done strictly to keep people dependent. It's another great way for pharmacy, you know, for the pharmaceutical companies to make money. Yeah. And again, you're just switching one addiction for short acting to long acting. And, um, and it's dangerous. And, and then what happens is these people go off and when they go back on to their short acting, they go to the same dose that they used to take and that's where the death happens. That's where the overdose happens. Oh, shit. They're taking a small amount to keep them going and then they say, oh, I'm going to go try. And they go, we had a guy here that was on Suboxone and went and did heroin. He had a toothache. They, he couldn't get medicine. He's like, Excuse, F this. And went and got heroin and OD'd. They had to give him Narcan and he was on a plane to us. He, he OD'd days. twice before he came to us the week. Twice in one week and then came to us. And he came to us. He'll be, he'll be clean a year in uh, May 26th. That's incredible. But, uh, but, I, I love hearing that's this. That's what happens. They do, I know everybody's. It's <laughs> <laughs> like these stories that are like breaking our hearts. And it's like, but he's clean. It's been years. They're like, oh, okay, okay thank yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he thought he could take the same amount as he used to. No. No. But a lot of that stuff is laced now with the fentanyl. And that's, that's what thing. you don't know because, you know, even in a, in a hospital, it's measured out in micrograms when they use it by a machine. It's humanly impossible for anybody to measure it out and give it to somebody. So, you know, you got people thrown in a, into the what they call scramble and heroin. You don't know how much you got in there. So mm. if you're 
used to buying bad shit and the needle's got that much in it and you buy the same stuff but it's got fentanyl and you put the same amount then that that's usually what kills you you know it's all over yeah it's speaking, not an exact science speaking of overdose you know if you researched ibogaine at all you might have read somewhere on the internet death people have died mm. um yes but the small amount, I mean, seriously, first of all, it's almost impossible to OD on Ibogaine. You would You'll have to throw it up. You'll throw it up. Your body purging. Okay. But, but the idea behind the, the deaths that have happened are like twofold. So it's either that the, uh, they had a pre-existing condition and they didn't tell the facility and the facility did not do their due diligence in finding out and they weren't monitored properly or... The other case that has happened with some people, again, really falls on the due diligence of the facility is there are people, the first hour or so of Ibogaine, of the flood dose, you don't really feel anything. Mm. Well, uh-oh, I'm going to go into post-acute, and they had a pill hidden. Mm. Somebody wasn't watching. They took it. They cardiac arrest. Wow. So that's the, so it's not from Ibogaine. It is from pre-existing or drugs being, you know, an inter- co-interaction kind of thing. Contradictions, so all that real, stuff. Yeah, that's really important for people to. It's to you're, if you're de- if you're trying to demonize this stuff, you're really being disingenuous. That's what it sounds like. I mean, exactly. Think of the think of the. I don't know. I easily I don't know the numbers, but like last time I checked, it was like eight to twenty people a day dying from like. Uh, from opioids in the states. No, absolutely. It's probably more than that. You yeah, know, it's I'm crazy. sure. I'm sure nowadays it's like a hundred or something, just like some crazy horrible number. But then you uh, think of all the people that are helped by by ibogaine, and you know, a death is a death. It's tragic. I don't want to undermine that. But <laughs> well, you know what? When I went to get treated, they didn't even look at my blood work. You know, we don't we don't know what we were doing back then. Okay, so. They didn't look at my blood work. I had probably eaten like 30 milligrams of oxycodone before I went to the guy's place. And I wasn't even supposed to get dosed that day. And then we're talking with him and we're like, well, when do you want to do this? Tomorrow or whatever? And he goes, oh, no, we'll do it now. And I, I ate, I had two meals in me, plus I was high. And they never looked at my medical. So theoretically, something could have happened to me there. Yeah. You know, I Luckily, it Absol- didn't. But absolutely, the, those kind of places are the ones you have to watch out for. And they and they've been around for years because the they'll other take, is, they'll take anybody. They're yeah. taking yeah. advantage of people yeah. in a bad situation, and then, and then some that's people a hit or don't miss. Realize. You know that that might be they might have a win streak of years, but then you know that's just a high risk situation. You know, yeah. and that those situations, if something bad happens, that puts the negative shadow on the entire operation. Right. Exactly. 100%. And it had nothing to do with the medicine. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Just speaking of what Sam said, um, I just found this thing. 2017, the CDC estimated that 91 Americans died each day from the opiate epidemic. They said first it was primarily pain pills, then heroin, then fentanyl, which is 50 times stronger than heroin. Jeez. 91. That's in 2007. That was three years ago. I don't want to know it's the numbers. Gotten worse, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. Oh, it absolutely has. You see that curve? If you ever see those graphs, it's it looks exponential. It's terrifying. It's shooting the like right up. And these people, 
I mean, it's it's a it's a bittersweet thing talking to you guys because they're a, they're a plane ride away from like I don't want to say a cure because like you said it before, it's a window. It's a it's a big window, and you get pushed out that window. It's a it's a miracle as far as I've ever seen miracles. This is a freaking miracle, but it is. You know, it's it's maybe not infallible, but it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> our, our accountant, when he saw the website for the first time, called me up and he said, Diane, you use the word miraculous like three or four different times. Don't you think that's a little hokey? I said, Irv, come, da- come down and do the treatment. You tell me a better word. There's not a better... It is. It's miraculous. It really is just. It's a beautiful the, the word. Really, yeah. Miraculous. There's just nothing. It's it's really incredible. I wanted to ask you: Are you keeping all this data? Well, for sure you are. But are you presenting it to anyone, or schools, or universities, or anything that wants anyone who wants to to do something out of it and create and, and data show data and all that stuff? Not yet. Um, but we, we, yes, we keep a, um, a file on yeah. everyone. We're keeping the data. We're also keeping it for, with the, uh, uh, where we get our Ibogaine from in, in South Africa. Okay. So they've asked us to, to, um, to keep data. So, yeah. yeah, because here's the other thing. People are like, well, what proof do you, you know, there's no clinical trials. Yes. Hello. No, there's no, because it's illegal. <laughs> Yeah. So how do you, so yes, we, we, we are keeping everything Beautiful. and then hopefully the state of Maryland will have some good data because there's no way they're not going to have some, some really positive. It's only a small study, hmm. but it's still a study. It's, so hopefully they'll get some data together and, well, and maybe something. This is yeah. how you, this is how you push it's the change. Start. You know, you, you collect as much data yeah. as you possibly can, you know, whether it's under the, um, under the uh, guidelines of how the scientific approach takes, you're limited to the law, but all data will be good down the line. For the sure. other thing I wanted, to, what Sam said about your plane right away. Yeah, and is it expensive to do? Well, that's relative. Mm-hmm. I remember when I told George, well, it's $10,000 for a week. Okay, um, where am I getting that money? I'm like, George, how much did you spend on opiates when you were doing the pills? George? What? How, how much did you? Uh, how much? Th- thousands and thousands. Well, that, that's not- another thing. That money comes first. You don't worry about no bills. You don't worry about nothing else matters. Mm. But it's weird how you can always find that money to get the pills. But I couldn't pay any. We, you know, we, it's just weird. There's a will, there's a way. It's weird. Yeah. We lost. Yeah, we lost an eighteen thousand square foot gym. Because Due to George's bad choices and and, and drugs, and uh, our life savings, almost a million dollars between us. Yeah, yeah, gone. Start. We started over. When I tell you that he had to confess, he confessed a lot <laughs> after his treatment. <laughs> he confessed a lot. Yeah. What a what a relationship you guys must have now. I can't even imagine. Like a like a like a, like the Iboga, you know, like uh, like really strong, really real, <laughs> really honest. No, no joke, no holes bar. Yeah. We have been through more in our lifetime, and 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 that's without being married. You know, it just and it worked. It, listen, I under I, I have a lot more empathy. I, I will share this. So for, with with addiction, you know, a lot of parents and people say, why I said it. Why can't you just stop? I don't mm. understand why you can't stop. Such a common Here's phrase. 
hear that Here's all the time. Here's my analogy on yeah. that, and, and this was something someone shared with me. So you, you and I, not George, you and I, you, all three of us have this, let's say, bucket, imaginary bucket in our brain that as we enjoy things, whether it's a good dinner, whether it's going to the movies, whether it's great sex, whatever it happens to be, drops of dopamine go into that bucket. And, and we fill that bucket through happy, wonderful experiences. When you're dealing with addiction, alcohol or drugs, they get that feel good, dopamine gets increased. And at some point that bucket overflows. So what happens? Another bucket gets created, the brain creates another. And then they fill that one. And the more drugs as they have to incre increase because now they're not getting high, now they're chasing the high. So mm. all of a sudden they got five buckets in their brain. And then they go into a rehab or detox. And all of a sudden, there's no dopamine being put into those buckets. Well, the brain doesn't get rid of the bucket. So where you and I have one bucket, they got five. And they're screaming for the dopamine. Hmm. In all fairness to an addict, that is a physical dependent. That is a bitch. That is tough. I've never heard of it put that way. Like, I've heard this bucket analogy. No, I, I, it's perfect, though, because people use the bucket analogy often. But they say it's like you have a hole in the bucket. But it's not it's not really relatable. It's like, why is there a hole in the bucket? It's like, no, your brain adapts like it's neuroplasticity. It's like now you sure. have this now you have another bucket and now now you have five empty buckets like you were yeah. saying. And that hurts. That's that's a that's a, you know, whatever feeling of emptiness where you could, you know, right. uh, you, know you could clean your house or you could uh, go for a drive or you could work out. You're never going to fill those five buckets the way you could fill one. Correct. And, and that empty feeling is, is the empty feeling. And we can't feel that. We don't understand it as someone, us with one bucket. No. So that's we're what, like, yeah, huh? but that's uh, with a lot of the rehabs, you know, those buckets never disappear. So these guys are, you know, they're going rehab. out of their minds because they're either, they're either going to meetings all the time or they're running six miles a day and then they got to do this and do that. They're just trying to eat up time. So, they could not think about it, you know, and the beauty about Ibogaine, you, you, you do the flood dose and all that shit's gone. You and know, you get it's rid, not, it, gets, it gets rid of the white knuckling. Yeah, you know, it's all, all, these, yeah. all these people. White that knuckling. Yeah. They're, oh. you're, you're one day at a time, like they say, you know, like mm -hmm. you're, you have to, you have to hold your breath every step because you mm -hmm. might relapse kind of thing. And you can't, you have to, you have to walk this kind of razor's edge. And, and I begin, it's like you get rid of those buckets. It's gone. And then, listen, I, I think for 12-step, for a lot of people, the support, having sober or, or clean friends, hugely important. Having a sponsor, somebody, the camaraderie, yeah. But there's many people that only go to a meeting just to stay clean. And at least getting rid of that, they can still go for all their tools. But hmm. we've treated people that are that have been sober and clean, but just needed to get rid of the white knuckling, not be consumed with thinking about it all the time. Do so, you guys have uh, uh, numbers, sort of, like in terms of relapse? Like, because I've I, again, I did a bit of research before talking to you guys, and it's like mm -hmm. it's in the ninety percent. You know, it's like ten percent of people. Like, if like the the traditional, outdated kind of not working, you know, methadone mentality is is you know. 90% of people are going to relapse. Whereas right. when it comes to Ibogaine, it's maybe, maybe 10% are going to relapse. Exactly. It's, wow. it's pretty yeah. much a flip. We only have our data, which supports that. 
Um, it's like a 92%. And wow. it, the strongest is in the opiate, you know, um, you, you know, some of our numbers are people that don't have addiction of their success and things that change. But yeah, as far as the, re- that, yeah. yeah, the relapsing is, it, it's pretty much, you could pretty much flip it. And, and the problem is you can't really get a rehab to like, we've sent plenty of people to rehab 28 day programs because they're clean, the, 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 the addiction's interrupted, but they need some tools, some coping skills, because the truth of the matter is if you go back, excuse my language, if you go back to the same shit show at some point when that window closes, you're going to do what you remember doing best to cope. You need some new skills, you know, whatever they may be. But anybody we've ever sent, they said they are rock stars when they get to a facility because the other people doing the standard detox for three to five days, they still got the five buckets going and they're miserable. Hmm. These people are feel great and they're open to to learning or figuring out what they need. No, but they also wind up working there. They wind up, what is it? Um, What's his face? He wound up working there. Raphael. Oh, yeah. They end up being support. Yeah, they end up, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, oh. but. And, and let me just before I forget this one thing about the expense of Ibogaine treatment. Um, yeah. First of all, so when George is like, where am I going to get? So, George, how much are you using? Uh, well, w- well, when I was doing the pills, it was three or four thousand dollars a month. Great. I'm glad to know that now. Hmm, thank you. Um, that's why we couldn't pay the rent at the gym. Thank you. <laughs> but um, I never gonna live that one down, George. I, uh. I, I forgave him. But um, of course. But then it was. He said, "But no, I'm only spending four or five hundred a month with the Sabak." Okay. Okay. So a year of Sabak on that six thousand dollars. So in a year and a half, you're going to give yourself a raise. Because once you do this, from what I read and what I understand, you will never need that again. Yeah. So when the when the people say, "Oh my God, seven thousand, ten thousand, whatever it happens to be," um, and it's funny because we are actually less than what we paid for George. Like that treatment of ten thousand for us is ten days. George only got seven days, and mm. he didn't even stay at the facility. We had to pay eight thousand at a hotel. Yeah. But um. But the point is, is that what they'll find the money if they can find the money for the drugs. Just think of the raise that so many of these people, whether it's alcohol or whatever, what they spend and what they. We had a guy here; he was he'd been drinking for thirty years, thirty, and on Suboxone. Boy, is he giving himself a raise! He just went back to Seattle, and how much did you drink? How much were you spending on alcohol? He said that he probably was spending, you know, three to five hundred dollars a month on alcohol, and then his Suboxone. Well, and then put it into thirty years. Dangerous in itself. Yeah. So it's if you really want the help, you, you find a way, you know. Sure. And and it's an investment to changing your life. It's a very different, um, you know, these rehabs that are charging thirty, forty thousand dollars a month and going through insurance companies and. And all of that, somebody's still coming up with a copay, yeah. so they're still paying something. And the success rate—I mean, I do think that some people that need both that can use this, and then there's a benefit. Nobody wants to go get into bed with an ibogaine clinic because 
they have their own detox and they have their own center and that's well they, they want you coming back though they bank on the relapse and they bank on the fact that they're getting paid from an insurance company and they're also getting paid to detox yeah yeah it sounds like if you do some simple math which I, you know, i'm sure a lot of uh addicts are can't think that far ahead to, to put it simply right uh, and it's not their fault like like we're saying you know so it's if you can if you can put this on paper and 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 really like the numbers don't lie kind of thing and right. then and then on top of that someone like george you can say sure the numbers don't lie and, but in the end you would have paid 10 times you would have paid five times what you paid because it's just worth yeah it you get your life back it's it's a uh, plus it's, whatever whatever they were doing they might wind up dead you know and then you know, they don't do it. Yeah. What's That's the point? point? Wow. Yeah. I tried what, to get him to go to a Yeah, I tried to get him to go to a rehab and he wouldn't go. Hmm. So here's the beauty of this. I end up meeting someone and uh, tells me about Ibogaine. Had George gone to the rehab, none of this ever would have happened. Because I ended up meeting someone that ends up telling me about this. We I researched it for six months. We end up going. And look at the journey, look, look, look where, where it took us and how many people's lives we touched and changed. Yeah. You know, th th things happen in the time that they're supposed to. And that's what I tell people to call. I said, you know what, um, there's no pressure. We give you whatever information we need. We, and, and if they can come, great. And if they can't, keep our number because there may be a time. Yeah. You know, George and I had to save for four months. You know, we had lost everything. It took us from April until all, he didn't go until the end of August. Wow. Yeah, but the, the, the value. Your is, life is the value, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you yeah. get, you get your life back, which is. Incredible. And, and even without addiction. Yeah. I mean, to, to be able to wake up and not have to worry about medicating myself is like. And that's what a lot of a lot of our patients they're they're not used to waking up, not reaching for something, and they can't believe it. You know, it's just mm. you know, so many years I, you know, my alarm would go off at four thirty, and I would reach to the nightstand and get two thirty milligram oxycodone and pop it in my mouth with no water, just lay there and let the shit take over. You know, and wow. then get up. Wow. You, you know, said you said. You said the words like, and they don't believe it. Like, I feel like that is the biggest thing that you guys can offer, that Ibogaine can offer, is uh, like a fucking different, like a new paradigm. Yeah. You know, like these people are, have a. It's a kinda, shift. Yeah, you're you're living in a kind of hopelessness, and then you you see this like again, like we're saying, like kind of miracle drug. And then it gives you your life back into your hands. Like you're, yeah. you're literally like not a slave anymore. Like that's, that's totally, you're totally a slave until you do something like this because you, you, nothing else, you don't think of nothing. You don't think about anything first, except where, where, where's the strip, where's the pill, where's the, whatever, you know, that's the first thing that pops into your head. Hmm. Yeah. Someone once told me, uh, all addicts are soldiers. Like you're like, there's some kind of blind, like uh, drive, you know, yeah. you're trained like you're and but your general is like the, the, the pills or the, the out the bottle. No, you're working for him. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And that, that's that struck me because it's like, 
it's like this capacity for humans to be so driven and so powerful. All of that funneled into this like self-satisfying, like vicious cycle that could lead to death. That could hurt. Oh, totally. You. It's it's so tragic. And but, and I mean, getting that back, getting out of that cycle, priceless. No one can argue. Hundred percent. Yeah. And until they get there, I mean, even the next day after treatment, so you'll say, "You okay? You thinking about anything?" Like that is the biggest aha moment for these people that. Oh my God, I don't need that. The time that these addicts spend making sure they have enough, making sure it's there, making sure they're dealing, whatever it is, all that time's freed. It's just, they, they, they just that unlocks a whole new world for them. Yeah. And, and, and witnessing it is, and then when you send them home and these people call and say, they can't even believe how different the person is because you you be you become custom to that's the norm of how they act, mm. who they are. And I think that in a week or ten days you can do a one eighty. It's it's unbelievable. That's incredible. What do you say? Right, George. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, wife. <laughs> Honestly, well, I mean, sorry, uh, Sammy, yeah, please. No, go for it, man. No, go, go, go. I'm all good. What <laughs> I was just, no, I, forgot I, was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I was just honestly saying that, um, like, uh, that's just a beautiful way to, to put a. I don't even know how to end this conversation because I just want to keep going. I think we can go for another, <laughs> I, I'm ready to go for another few hours, but respecting we can all, do it again. <laughs> absolutely, do it again. just to respect all of our times. Um, that's you've really opened my eyes to looking at. I've already been open to reading about Ibogaine and all that stuff, but seeing it from the perspective of facilitators who really honor the medicine is so beautiful to see and to see the process and to hear the stories. It's just, uh, it's a shame, but I, I believe that this will get out there and people will start and people will start looking into Ibogaine and understanding what this really is. And it's not a schedule one category drug. It's, it's the opposite of that. Wow, it's such a shame. You know? And let me just say this. George and I never claim to be, we're not therapists, we're not doctors, we're not nurses. We are two people that I began changed both of our lives yeah. and sent us on a different path to help people. Yeah. Um, I will tell you that we do help people. We don't offer therapy here because this is a time of introspection and reflection. What we discovered in that is that most people, the stuff that comes up, they need more than just a therapist here. Mm. So we'll help them find therapy back home, meet with the therapist. Sometimes they'll do one-on-ones over the phone here before they go home. So we do do things like that. But what we say is that we just have a, you know, we have a, a major in Ibogaine and a minor in caring or vice versa, you know, helping people change their lives. Beautiful. And, and it's really rewarding. And we would love you guys to come. Listen, the best way for you to really get it, come on down. <laughs> I'm so in. I'm so Come in. on. This is my next project. Like I, I've never had something like call me so strongly in my life. Like this is really fascinating. And honestly, like I'm, I mean, I, it, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to sound cheesy, but like I am honored to be any kind of part of propagating this information or or giving you guys like extending your voice in any way. Like like oh, thank I'm just, you. Thank, Thank you. you. But but you yeah. need to that that'll be the next time we meet is after you come and do it. 
I then we it. can do another podcast so that you can share. <laughs> and we'll, we'll have the shamans come down then. We could do that as well. We do, we um, offer that sometimes, but I just, they've done that. I yeah. think for them to experience Ibogaine. I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm in, I'm in, yeah. You're, I'm sold. You have our number. That's it. <laughs> well, Is there anything else you guys want to touch on or anything before we, we wrap it up? Uh, it's, it's, I think we pretty much covered everything. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we did too. I just think that, um, we're, we're here, you know, we're, we're here and, uh, we're it, ready to help people. people it's really, it's, if, a, it's just a beautiful gift that anyone, what yeah. it does, it's not just addiction. Um, addic addiction, amazing, but, um, PTSD, depression, anxiety, any of it. And, and, to, and not only oh, do we honor the, the Ibogaine, but it's also about you as a person and, and re reclaiming your power, yeah. you know, and your life back. And I think that's what I, the game does for everyone. Wow. Um, right, George? No better way to end it. better myself. You guys, thank you for coming in. Uh, this was a beautiful uh, podcast. Thank you. It was great. This was really, really nice. Yeah. We will talk Appreciate to you soon. It. Yes. Thanks for everything. All right, take, take care. care. Have a good one. Bye, guys. Bye.